the Yakuza life can be complicated. Loyalty, survival, secrets, violence. The Toho Gang navigates the web of crime and betrayal in episode 45, Battles Without Honor and Humanity. Welcome to another episode of Toho Yaro. I am your host for this episode, V, joined as always by Joey. Hello. And Alex. Hello. And uh, in today's episode, we're talking about battles without honor and humanity. Just to clear up all of the confusion, the song from the uh, Kill Bill soundtrack is a singular battle without honor or humanity. <laughs> yeah, I get mixed up on that um, with with and or or. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I actually didn't have any history with this movie. Uh, I had never seen it before. I've seen a lot of things influenced and referencing it, but I hadn't actually watched any of the, the Yakuza Papers uh, series. Uh, Joey, what was your experience with this? Um, I first saw it um, a while back, back when I still was on the Netflix DVD plan. And I think it was around the time that I was first kind of trying to get back into watching Japanese film and digging up classics and stuff like that. I think I had heard the title before and I was interested in Bunta Sugawara because of uh, One Piece. And I think I had seen Trakiaro at this point. Um, and so I started getting the them sent to me uh, via Netflix. And uh, I guess we'll probably get more into this at the review part. But it, I had kind of trouble with it at first. But I was like, yeah, this is interesting. I didn't super love it. Um, and then a few years later, Arrow announced this like big Blu-ray box set. And I was kind of won over by how like fancy it looked and how I was uh, more into Japanese movies. And I was kind of like wanted to give it another shot. And it was kind of a big debate. Like, uh, should I get this? I didn't really super love it last time I watched it. And when I got it, I appreciated it a lot more. And, and then I've uh, screened it. Um, for folks and so at this point I've, this is probably my fourth or fifth time seeing this movie and um, I, I like it better each time Good, Alex? Uh, I hadn't seen this until um, the Arrow box set came out a couple of years ago um, you know we had we were still in the middle of doing this podcast and um, uh, I kind of wanted to jump on that Sugawara train a little bit and um <laughs> Uh, I like supporting uh, home releases of stuff that's either hard to come by or should have been released here like ages ago. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I bought the box set and I, I thought that it would be a fun thing to do for me and my friend to watch all of them in the span of a single day, which uh, didn't actually happen. Uh, we watched, <laughs> I think, uh, three out of the five movies, um, which is still a lot. Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that was the that was the last time I watched this. Um, so rewatching it was like a, a, all the, all these memories kind of came flooding back to me. And, um, 
and uh, now I'm I'm kind of uh, I kind of want to get back on that horse and watch mm-hmm. the rest of these. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said, I I knew this by reputation and through a lot of it's like it's got a huge impact on a lot of the other stuff I consume. So references to it or things that this was the archetype of I'm familiar with, even though I hadn't seen the movie. Yeah, it's it's crazy how culturally relevant this movie series is. Um, I remember seeing somewhere that it was called the Godfather of Yakuza uh, mm. series, and um, I think that's based on its impact on Japanese culture or, mm. or, or pop culture at large. Uh, there are a lot of interesting parallels between this and uh, the Godfather, which came out one year before. Um, that I'll get a little more into later, but, uh, yeah, I think that's a very apt, uh, descriptor of it. Um, it's interesting. This is, this is the first like modern, uh, Yakuza film that really popularized this idea of the Yakuza prior to this. Most Yakuza films were actually, uh, period pieces mm-hmm. where it's, uh, a historical setting, um, back in feudal times. And most of the Yakuza are like painted with this broad brush of like personal honor and, and a code of loyalty and are kind of Robin hood figures. Whereas this, uh, the bringing it up to the more modern setting was a much more real life, um, uh, depiction of, of Yakuza. Um, it's actually the, uh, this is directed by Kinji Fukusaku, um, by the way, uh, director of message from space and probably more notably battle Royale, mm-hmm. um, which you can see, we, we talked a lot in the battle Royale episode about Fukusaku and his kind of like attitudes and, um, where he's directing from. And a lot of that comes through here as well. I think, especially since this is so heavily focused in the post-war period, um, and, and living through working in a munitions factory as a child really shaped his view of that. Um, his shooting style also, uh, you know, it's, it's, you can see it's, it's very similar as well. There's a lot of zooms, quick zooms and fast cuts and freeze frames, uh, which, uh, this particular series is like really famous for, but you can also see that kind of stuff in Battle Royale as well. And, mm. uh, there's a lot of that zooming in message from space. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Except for this is, yeah, this is kind of made to look at times more like a documentary or something because it, yeah, it, it like uh, V was saying, like launch this, uh, Jitsuroku Ega, the, the true account cinema where that's like based off of true stories. Mm. Um, and I think they were really trying to make it feel as like real as possible, even though it's still pretty heightened. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's and and part of that I think that lends itself very well to that is in most of the scenes of violence, instead of using like more traditional filming styles, it uses handicam type like just real shaky, mm-hmm. very close up, hard to tell what's going on. That makes it feel a lot more like they are filming a real thing that is happening in front of you, uh, rather than you are watching a film. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, part of the reason that it's it's going for this kind of like realistic news style uh, depiction of a lot of stuff is the screenplay was written by uh, Kazuo Kasahara, 
but uh, it was actually based on a, a series from a journalist named Koichi Ibashi um, using manuscripts from an actual Yakuza named Kozumino that he wrote while he was uh, in Abashiri prison. Mm. And so they basically filed the names off uh, the characters, renamed them. And these are obviously heightened and, and dramatized, but based on real life Yakuza families and events um, that that Mino wrote about. And uh, apparently the these manuscripts were still being published while the films were coming out. Uh, so they, at one point it was like, um, when anime catches up with the manga where they had to like <laughs> have kind of filler, um, and, and like do some of their own work with the character. But it's, it's fascinating to me that, um, as can, this movie, uh, can be pretty confusing at points with like people's loyalties and things mm-hmm. shuffling around. But apparently they simplified it for the films. It is even more convoluted in real life. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, so moving on to the cast, we've got uh, Bunta Sugawara as our, our primary character, Shozo Hirono, who uh, we first see him uh, in post-war uh, Hiroshima in a black market uh, where he saves a woman being raped by American GIs and then runs off. And uh, uh, the jumping ahead a little to the synopsis, this everybody is introduced. Our primary players are introduced in this black market. Like 50 people. Um, yeah. And it's impossible <laughs> to keep track of them immediately. It's fun to go back and watch that scene after you've seen the movie and, and like see the, see everybody Uh, in place once you actually Mm -hmm. recognize them and keep track. Yeah. I think it's hilarious that specifically Bunta Seguara's character, the freeze frame on him is so blurry that you can't like see his face. Yeah. (laughs) I would compare that opening bit to like the first season of, or the first episode of the wire where you're introduced to like 50 characters who you, you can't even keep like any track of. And by the end of the first season, you know, every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's I, I would call it like that confusing it's easily to me the most confusing part of the movie but like then you just have to just relax and just watch the movie and everything will come together <laughs> yeah um, uh, then we have uh, the the other notable cast I have on here Hiroki uh, Masataka as Tetsuya Sakai who's the like uh, secondary uh, character throughout most of the film, mm-hmm. uh, as, uh, as Bunsi character, we'll, we'll come to call him, uh, Tetchan, uh, Nobuo Kaneko as, uh, Yoshio Yamamori, uh, who is the, the crime boss family that, uh, Shozo joins, uh, notable for also playing the son in Ikiru. Mm-hmm. And was in Goke Body Snatcher from Hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the uh, the super recognizable Kunie Tanaka as Masakichi Makahara, um, which it was the him and, and Bunta the, were the only characters that I could like immediately identify just because mm-hmm. of their distinct looks. Um, 
Tamiyo Kawaji as uh, Seichi Kambara, who is uh, the villain from Tokyo Drifter. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, the uh, camera uh, Tetsuo the Viper. Viper. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Tsunehiko Watase as Toshio Arita, who's uh, on here mainly because uh, Watase is actually the younger brother of Tetsuya. Watari, right? Yeah, Tetsuya Watari, who is the main character in Tokyo Drifter, Mm -hmm. who was actually cast to be Shozo Hirono. Bunta Sugaru was originally cast to play Tetsuya Sakai, the the kind of secondary character. But uh, Watari actually had to bow out because of illness. And on the spot, they decided to move Bunta into the uh, starring role and cast uh, Hiroki Matsutaka as Sakai instead. That's interesting. Um, uh, Production on this was very hurried. Um, The, it, allegedly took between 35 and 40 days of filming. Uh, this was apparently the first toy film that didn't have a lead actor in every scene of the movie. <laughs> um, which this is, this does kind of like meander all over the place, paying more attention to secondary and minor characters and just like giving a more robust feel for, for the world rather than being a star vehicle. And, um, uh, Part of the film was uh, filmed in studio, but the part that was filmed on location in Hiroshima, uh, actually the set, uh, a lot of Yakuza just kind of wandered in and showed up to the filming <laughs> and started giving advice to the uh, to the director and actors. And apparently this was a pretty valuable resource to find out like how real Yakuza would act and how to portray them properly. Huh. <laughs> That's great. Um, one, one of the actors is quoted, I feel bad for, for people trying to portray Yakuza these days because they don't have that kind of access anymore. <laughs> hmm. Um, Man, that's wild. Yeah. I almost so, feel like something happened. I, I would feel something probably happened similar, uh, on the set of the Godfather. Oh, I would, I would assume, um, so moving into the synopsis, this is kind of broken into it, not not cleanly broken into vignettes, but we kind of have this. Uh, we start out in the post-war black market, post-World War II uh, in the 19, uh, 1940s. And we see all of our primary characters just kind of like hang in there. Some of them already into into criminal activity. Um. Hirono falls in with some with some folks with the Yamamori family, and uh, because he is not uh, explicitly part of them yet, he decides to uh, take revenge on somebody who had hurt his friend uh, and uh, take the fall if he failed, but manages to successfully kill uh, the the person who is drunk and waving a sword around, but uh, shoots him with a gun after it jams repeatedly mm-hmm. in a it, shockingly comedic scene. Um, then he goes to prison and meets Wakasugi, who is from a rival family from the Yamamori's. But uh, once freed, both Yamamori and 
the uh, Doi um, families are, are grateful for helping Wakasugi and for what he did to get put in prison and becomes a member of the Yamamori family. He, uh, it, it, his early days working as a dealer um, for a dice game, he ends up getting in a fight with the relative of a crime boss that had mediated uh, his joining of up with the Yamamori family. And uh, eventually his, his penance for this is to cut his pinky off in what should be a horrifying scene, but is another like <laughs> shockingly comedic one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the following that, uh, the, the kind of next vignettes are the Amamori family versus the Doi family. And then uh, internal strife within the Yamamori family between three characters, Sakai, Shinkai, and Arita, who is Shinkai's kind of lieutenant. And then Sakai trying to take over the Yamamori family. And then Hirono being freed from prison for having assassinated Doi uh, comes to find everything in shambles, tries to make amends, and then is just disgruntled with the entire Mm -hmm. uh, enterprise. And so it's there is a lot of backstabbing and changing loyalties and the film is can be difficult to follow. There are parts that I had to like rewind and go back and like try to suss out what was going on. Yeah, I did not envy you in having to summarize this (laughs) for sure. Yeah. uh, uh, Alex, can you tell us a little about the you said there's like a map of relationships in the booklet that came with the Blu-rays? Yeah, and it's not easy to navigate either. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the cool thing about the Arrow box set is that it comes with uh, this Yakuza Papers companion manual, manual and uh, it has a relationship uh, like flowchart uh, thing for every single movie. Um, and it shows you the different families, who's connected to who, in what way, and also who murders who. Um, so... You have the uh, so the two major families. You have the uh, Yamamori family and the Doi family, and uh, it says here the dispute between the two of them. Um, of course, uh, there is in, an internal dispute uh, within the Yamamori family um, between uh, uh, Sakai and um, and Arita. Uh, God, it's it, I'm <laughs> yeah, not going know, when, to. When, go through this whole thing but it's pretty ridiculous what i might do is um what i might do is i might take a picture of it and we can put it on like uh put it on our blog post or something and put it in the twitter feed yeah yeah Yeah, it's the kind of thing that like when they i think they that they had announced that that was going to be part of the booklet and i was like oh that'll be so helpful but actually it's so complicated that (laughs) you can't like have it open in your lap and look down at it and look back at the screen. Like it's, it's more helpful once you kind of have an idea of who everybody is and need a refresher or something, but it's not exactly a thing that you can just like (laughs) have to help you guide you through the movie as it's playing, you know, I think, I think uh, it'd be a lot easier to do this if you've seen the rest of them or like familiar yourself either even better familiarize yourself with all of the actors. Um, because I can tell you that Kunia Tanaka is Makihara 
and uh, you know Hirona Sugawara. You know, like it, it. The guys that show up a lot and the actors that I'm already familiar with, like I can tell you who they are and mm-hmm. where they are on the on this map. But there are there's probably like twenty characters on this map alone. Um, and there's arrows going everywhere. So it's, it's, it's extremely hard to follow. Um, unfortunately this is not great for a audio medium, but, uh, check out our Twitter feed. Um, yeah, it's, it's complex, but it, it's not so complex that you can't actually understand what's going on by the end mm-hmm. of the movie. Um, Alex, what was your, uh, what was your feeling on having seen this again? Um, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I for like, I think I had this bit of anxiety come over me during that first uh, scene where you're introduced to everybody uh, because I had forgotten about it, and I was like, "Oh no, this again!" <laughs> um, just because I wanted to, like, okay, I've seen it once before; it'll be easier for me to, you know, to know what's going on. And I mean, ever so slightly, because it's been a few years since I've watched it. Um, but uh, having also played through uh, some of um, Yakuza Zero and being more familiar with Yakuza, uh, you know, archetypes and and whatnot, um, I do feel like this was a much easier watch the second time around. Um, and I thought it was, uh, you know, it's a very intriguing thing. It's it's kind of exciting to watch, uh, but also confusing. Like you, I, you really have to be paying attention to sort of get all the goings on and the narrator is there too. And mm-hmm. to, you know, to guide you through some of the parts. And I mean, it helps to sort of move everything along just because I think what this first movie is, how many it's, it spans like a decade and a half, I think. Of, I think it starts just right after post-war and goes up to uh, like 1954. Yeah, so it spans like almost a decade, I guess, uh, this particular movie. Um, but I do think it's interesting that you do get to see like, <laughs> all, like you know, that beginning uh, montage of, of uh, introducing everybody in the black market is almost a spoiler because it's like future underboss of uh, <laughs> of the Doi clan. Like, like it's, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's mm. very... Uh, <sighs> I don't know. It's it's almost like a flashback to uh, <laughs> to something that you're already familiar with, anyway. Um, but uh, you know, I enjoyed it, and it, it made me want to you know rewatch the ones I've already seen and to keep uh, finishing this box set. Mm-hmm. So, uh, how about you, Jerry? Yeah, um, yeah. Like like I had said, the first time I watched it, I was kind of thrown a little bit because I was having a hard time keeping track of who was who who was betraying who and who was loyal to who and and even really kind of understanding the through line to the movie because you're not even entirely following Sugawara's character the whole time like there's a large gap where he's in prison and <laughs> I sort of had that uh that that thing that they say about Poochie you know like whenever Sugawara is <laughs> not on screen you're wondering where's Sugawara you know but like um this time around that that part in particular, I was able to kind of like hook into a little bit more and like really um, that part in particular kind of stood out to me as a part that I could follow. Because the thing that's kind of cool about having so many characters and um, so such an intricate thing is that every time you watch it, you can kind of have a slightly different experience of like 
following somebody else and being like, oh, yeah, that's so and so they they're important later and stuff like that. And also, the more I watch more Japanese film, the more I realize that mm, there's a lot of kind of big players uh, in this movie, like not just Sugawara and Tanaka and the people that I recognized um, initially, like Hiroki uh, Matsukata is like a pretty big actor and um, uh, Tune uh, Hiko Watase. Um, I've seen in a number of things. And so now I've kind of like am able to track these people a little bit easier than when I came in cold. But even even that first experience when um, you're a little confused about who's who, by the end of it, you're pretty like clued in to the main characters and their relationships to one another. And, um, you know, you can even kind of like uh, get that big like oh shit moment of when uh Sugawara is kind of like confronting the the, the funeral service and making a big splash <laughs> declaring mm-hmm. his war basically on everybody um and you know that has a huge impact uh even if I didn't completely follow point a to b to c to x you know <laughs> um but yeah I I love this movie a lot because of its mood uh and it's like performances uh like the music Mm -hmm. is a big part of it for me too um yeah i i really like just every time i watch it i kind of have a deeper appreciation for it i Um, would uh i would say that the music itself is its own character too uh you you can watch this movie with like blindfolded and know when somebody dies (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the music didn't stand out to me, uh, it, which, by the way, it's composed by uh, Toshiaki Tsushima, who also composed uh, Sunny Chiba's The Street Fighter. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it didn't stand out to me except for the musical sting when somebody would die and it would do the freeze frame with like their their name and date of death. Uh, but, yeah, that's so like iconic whenever that happens. There's some really cool like kind of moody guitar picking <laughs> that goes on in the background and the sort of more simmering scenes and stuff like that too. Um, yeah, I, I like the soundtrack a lot, but yeah, the thing that's the most famous is definitely that huge, like horn blaring. Uh, you see that, uh, referenced in a lot of other movies and stuff like that. That, that was in, um, Kamikaze girls, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I think you well you tweeted this out, but they parody uh, a very particular scene and <laughs> and use and use this music in uh, Pop Team Epic. Yeah, the the anime series. <laughs> yeah, that whole that whole sequence is pretty is to some extent scene for scene the first battles movie. They they throw in a few other like yakuza tropes that aren't in this one, but uh, yeah, they definitely that scene of them sucking the lemons when it's uh, <laughs> in the film. It's two guys. Uh, drinking each other's blood to become blood brothers in prison um, is <laughs> so great. <laughs> v, what was your general thoughts about the movie? Um, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I was like going in pretty pretty stoked on it just by reputation. I like Bunta Suguara a bunch. Um, the violence was a little goofier than I had imagined it would be. I thought that would be a little more gritty mm-hmm. by modern standards when it's really not. But that didn't really hold back from the rest of the movie. Um, I really enjoyed all the characters. There's a, a bunch of great performances in here. When uh, when Shoza goes to prison, I was actually not going like when when Bunta Suguara is on screen. Where's Bunta Suguara? <laughs> yeah. um, 
because I was actually really invested in uh, Sakai as a character and wanted to know, like, what's going to go down with the family now that they're like primary rival is out like this we're halfway through the movie there's a lot more what is going on um so like him him going away to prison and giving space for these other characters to do some stuff i thought was actually really good Mm -hmm. Um, and then it's really great like when he comes back and he's all kind of disoriented because so much stuff has gone down yeah (laughs) um it's it's really fascinating to me that he is actually like he is, he seems like the only one who is a relic of those older um, Yakuza films, the the period piece ones, because he is the one that still believes in honor and loyalty and like all these things. So when he sees everybody like cutting each other's throats around him and he's like, no, we can, everybody calm down we can like put this back together and just like being completely out of depth with how everybody else is maneuvering around him is is very fascinating as a character when the world just like refuses to listen to him yeah you know i i you read about that a lot people talking about them this movie and like kind of throwing aside the jingy the the um the code of honor and stuff and how it's all super grim and stuff but like Really, Sugawara's character is still very chivalrous. Like, he still has that code of honor and humanity that the rest of the movie is kind of tossing aside. Um, so I, I know he's not necessarily the focus of all five movies, but I'm very interested to watch further and, like, see how the rest of this plays out and see some of the other characters, some of the few other characters that haven't died yet <laughs> to see where they go. Um but yeah, I I was impressed at like how modern a lot of this film felt, especially like visually mm-hmm. um, with like the shaky cam and stuff and a lot of the, the way things are shot um, and, and like weirdly innovative. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm real, real stoked on the rest of the series now. Cool. Um, so, uh, Joey, what was uh, tell me about your your favorite parts? Favorite part, um, a part that really stands out to me, um, and you had started to talk about it a bit, was the part where Sugora has to cut his finger off, uh, his mm-hmm. pinky off. Um, a thing that I really love about that is I feel like it totally encapsulates uh, what I love is about him as a performer, uh, as well as <clears throat> what I think is cool about this movie um, in the sort of demystifying uh, Yakuza tropes and things like that is that the 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 cutting your pinky off is such a like cool stoic move you know um, and even there's some sort of tragedy and harshness to it but it is actually a kind of comedic scene because he has to ask like how do I do this exactly and he has to be guided by uh, the boss's wife um, who who's seen somebody do it before and then his finger gets lost in the chicken coop and, <laughs> and it's being all pecked apart and stuff like that and then and then the ultimate insult to that is the next scene the the big boss that he was cutting it off for was like oh you didn't have to go that far <laughs> and I just I love how kind of like um, it takes those kind of tropes of what would be kind of a glorified moment and makes it um kind of pathetic in a way um yeah it kind of circles back again to like 
him being the only one who is like really bought into all this stuff because yeah. his boss Yamamura or Yamamura is just like we can just pay them and he's like no I will do this he's like all right it's cheaper this way <laughs> and then to to the fact that uh, Okubo when he receives the finger is like giving them money for a proper burial for it. Uh, yeah, I feel almost like that that was Sugawara's boss kind of like pulling one over on him. He's like, well, if you're going to cut off your finger, then we could probably guilt him into giving <laughs> us money. Um, yeah. And yeah, the fact that nobody else in the organization like knows what the hell or how to even do this. And the wife is like, well, I saw it done once. I can mm-hmm. probably tell you. And just like that, that nobody else is really bought in it's a very early notice that nobody else has really bought into this stuff. Um, the way that, that Toronto is, uh, also the, like something else that I find kind of funny uh, related to that is when they do the, like swearing in ritual, mm-hmm. they, they, they mentioned that like, we do this, like a more modern version of it where the boss drinks from a sake cup and then they just pour the rest out into, into a bunch of other cups instead of like, each person sharing a sip with him. <laughs> yeah, it's very uh, sanitary, <laughs> social distancing. Um, did you have any more you wanted to say about that scene? No, no. Uh, Alex? So uh, my favorite scene in the movie is uh, kind of towards the end where uh, Hirona visits Tetsuya and he basically says, you know, hey, I, boss told me to kill you. And uh, it's... I. I don't know, like the way it's shot, the framing between the two of them is really great. Um, I love, I don't know, I love their relationship. And my favorite part of the scene is when uh, Hirona reaches into his pocket yeah. and Tetsuya freaks the fuck out. It's so and, good. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just pulls out cigarettes, not, <laughs> not a gun. I I don't know, like... it's it, it's a, It's a very, like, human moment in a movie about gangsters where you could just as easily, I mean, you know, there, there's a whole lot of killing in this movie. Um, but it speaks a lot about, uh, hero no as a character too. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, he's not this faceless gangster, you know? Um, yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. And that does the same kind of thing of like, I mean, there is a lot of this movie that is like them sitting around smoking with sunglasses on and looking cool and stuff. But like in that scene, they're kind of doing that. They're like looking away from each other and saying things very coolly to each other. But then once um, uh, uh, Tetsuya, right, Uh, his life is on like he thinks he's about to get shot. He's like squealing. He's so scared. Uh, It's it was that's a great uh, moment um, from uh, Matsukata. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really love the like framing around violence in this because like there are a lot of scenes when people are shooting other people and the ones who are doing the shooting look terrified. Mm-hmm. Um notably when uh uh when Chozo actually kills uh Doi, he like runs at him very assured and then like once he actually starts firing he's just like, "Oh god, what is going on?" <laughs> Um, yeah. But yeah, the fact that like all this violence, when it's not just a bunch of people beating up one other person, whenever a gun comes out, everybody is scared, like visibly like shaking and jumping back uh, rather than being like badass. Mm-hmm. And I like that vulnerability. 
What was your favorite part? Um, I had two things and they're both basically the parts where, uh, where Hirono is being super badass. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first is when he confronts Tetsuya at the hotel. Yeah. And, uh, they're like each laying in a bed talking to each other. And when, when, Bunsugwara is just laying there with his hands behind his back with like five guns pointed at him (laughs) saying like, well, I guess you should just go ahead and kill me then. And then just like lays back and closes his eyes is just like, as I said, contrasted with like how everybody else is terrified of violence, uh, uh, being in their face in this movie, he is just like stone cold. Yeah. That's Um, the scene I thought Alex was about to mention when he was talking about them confronting each other. Yeah. And oh, it's um go ahead. Oh no, no no either. Um and it's interesting because like I was expecting this to be like a far more serious Buntusugawara performance than Truck Yaro. And there are moments <laughs> where it is like that and my other favorite scene which is the the very ending at the funeral. Mm-hmm. But there is so much of him like being goofy and mugging in this movie still <laughs> and yeah. I really enjoy it. Yeah. He's got really great faces. Yeah. Um, I wanted to give a particular shout out uh, to at the beginning of the movie during the black market scene where uh, we're introduced to uh, uh, Tore Ueda. Um, He's got a handkerchief and glasses and some glasses. And I just I think that look is supremely cool. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's very good. (laughs) And then he doesn't give it up even after he gets his arm chopped off. He just keeps showing up looking like that. Yeah. It's pretty great. Like the the scar, the sunglasses, the uh, the handkerchief, and the coat draped over his other. Coat. Like it's such a cool, like it's such a cool look that I think is really representative of how uh, how a lot of cool yakuza characters uh, are perceived these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in like you know in, in different media. But I, I, I love that look. I think it's so cool. Yeah, there are a lot of iconic looks in this. Um, my other favorite scene that I wanted to talk about was when Bunta shows up at the at Tetsuya's funeral and uh, everybody is is confused. And then he uh, Hirono just starts shooting all of the like nameplates of the mourners who are there, who are like part of the system that got Tetsuya uh, killed or actively killed him. And it just like the, the attitude to show up at a situation like that and basically be like, you are all on my hit list, uh, in front of everybody <laughs> is just so badass. But the other thing, uh, that I noticed about that, speaking of like iconic Yakuza looks is it's not like one-to-one and the colors aren't quite right, but, uh, the suit that he is in, I was just like, this is uh, Kiryu from the Yakuza games. Like that's oh. <laughs> Kiryu's look. Yeah, yeah. I love um, that that purple suit. It's so good. Um, yeah, yeah, and that has a super great like final um, uh, shot where the the kanji for the end comes up and like he's in the foreground walking away from the funeral. Like it looks so much cooler than like, I mean, I love also seeing the sunset or Mount Fuji with, with the end, which is what you usually see in these dramatic things, but to have uh, the main (laughs) character right up in your face kind of being like, 
oof, you know, that, yeah, that's, that's really such great. a good freeze cut. I love that so much. Um, all right. Uh, shall we dance? Uh, if this was remade for us audiences, what would be different and who would be the cast? And this is kind of the part where I wanted to talk about the Godfather films and the parallel to this. Um, they, they also thematically are very similar there. It's about a kind of, uh, innocent, but well-meaning person getting into this life of crime and being disillusioned with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they follow a similar period of time, actually, from post-World War II through the, the mid-50s. And uh, but but even so, even though this came out a year after The Godfather did, uh, it does not feel like a fast follow. Their, their similarities uh, are like because they're coming from the same place, not because this feels like it's aping on a big Western movie, um, which I was impressed by. Yeah, Um, totally. But yeah, did, did y'all have any thoughts about, about this being adapted to the West? It's because it's the, it, it's so specifically Yakuza, Mm -hmm. which is a inherently Japanese thing. Uh, Do you think it could be remade for, for I don't know. A wasn't Western there, setting. Wasn't well, there I recently think, a Netflix movie where like a guy goes to Japan, like white guy conquers the Yakuza? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd be afraid it would be something like that. <laughs> you know, the, um, I think that it could work if Scorsese did it. Like, mm-hmm. I think that this film series could definitely uh, be translated into the modern like you know 2010s gangster film like i'm thinking like it departed mm-hmm. like it, i could see it i could see somebody remaking it as a contemporary gangster film with you know all these relationships and uh probably not as many and definitely uh i don't know i i feel like there would be a lot of police involvement though yeah. uh, just just because whenever a movie like that you know, comes about like the police are always a uh, pretty heavily featured and not, I'm not like invoking the Godfather here because I feel like that movie was, uh, well, the Godfather is an adaptation of a book and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you kind of have to do that a little justice, but I feel like, I feel like for, for any Japanese movie that is remade for an, uh, an American audience, there is always some sort of meddling that goes goes in there with trying to appeal to the crowd a little, and I think that yeah. people would want to see more cop characters and stuff like that. So, my my guess is that, uh, although I don't know, given that The Sopranos was such a hit, maybe they could remake it as like an HBO series. I think it would be interesting to do like. Um, Western or otherwise to do a modern take on this where it would be like still still a period piece, but with more modern sensibilities, it would still Mm -hmm. be a very different thing because I think for like pacing and mood would just be completely different from how like 70s crime films were. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it'd be something that I would be interested to to see attempted uh, because like this is this is based on that journalist series so there's not uh adaptations can always be like hit or miss or rough but they have like a basic framework to work from 
and maybe they could make it more complex and and keep it true to to real life and see how that did it does seem like there's enough characters and content to actually turn into like a series um rather than a movie which is interesting it's also interesting um kind of the point that you brought up that there isn't a focus on the police in this at all like the police are they they seem almost like ineffectual like they're they're just kind of around for people to turn themselves in after they right? killed somebody <laughs> yeah yeah it's really interesting their absence I didn't think about that until just now mm-hmm. what, when thinking about how, yeah, if this was remade, the police would be a central figure in it. But, uh, yeah, they just sort of, yeah, they're not even really uh, there except for like, yeah, like you said, when somebody dies or in the, in the beginning when the, you know, the MPs are running around. There's yeah, a really, I have to oh, go ahead. Oh, there's just, there's a really good, uh, Fukusaku movie, um, called cops versus thugs, uh, with, uh, Bunta Sugawara actually as a cop and, um, kind of his relationship with the Yakuza. And, uh, that's an interesting kind of more balanced look at that, um, in a way. Also half of this cast is also in that movie. Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, kept popping up when I was looking around. Um, I was going to say, I, I wonder how much of that uh, police non-presence is actually true to real life during that period. If Yakuza just had like that much of a run of things mm-hmm. uh, versus if they just didn't want that to be a focus of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex, uh, mm-hmm. Takashi Shimura Award, who, uh, who do you think gave the most uh, memorable standout performance? God, Um I, I, it's really tough to say, like, I want to say Sugawara, but you know, how about what's his face in the prison? Um, God, I don't know the actor's name, but, uh, Sugawara does the, the cup ritual with him and they suck their the blood yeah. out of their arms. Yeah. Like Wakasugi is the, yes. the character. I can't remember the actor's name. Yes. Um, that whole, that whole, like, uh, like when, when he's trying, when he recruits him, basically like he, it's, it's like, Hey, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. But that whole, that whole sequence, like I remember that so vividly from the first time I watched it mm-hmm. and it had such a, like, I feel like, I feel like it had such a great impact. And that scene of course had been parodied, uh, and, and pop team epic too. So it's, it's also a, you know, it's, it's sort of fresh <laughs> in my mind, but that it's such a, like, I feel like it's a really powerful scene and it, it's the very beginning of, uh, of Hirono's career. Um, but it's all thanks to, uh, all thanks to him, you know, and, yeah. he, mm-hmm. and it's not just, it's not just the, like, uh, you know, Hey, you, you know, if, if, uh, if you do this for me, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll help you out. It's also the, um, the bit where he's saying I'll half commit suicide. And if I look like I'm in any trouble, you'll finish the job. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. Like it, it's a it's lot of trust a, to put in somebody else. Yeah, and it's pretty much right at the beginning of the movie. It's it's a, it's really heavy. So I think that's what stands out in my mind the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, Tatsuo Umemiya. I looked him up. I, I recognized him, but I couldn't remember his name. Yeah, he that actor has a lot of like warmth 
and friendliness to him too. Like I like that character and it, it makes it really like that's something that um, Hirono latches on to the fact that he gets killed. And uh, I think as a viewer, you're pretty sad to see him go because he was actually like one friendly face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah. He's very affable and he actually is the only other person that, that actually seems to have the same outlook as Hirono. Like he actually goes behind his boss to, to warn Hirono because they're blood brothers yeah. and looks out for him. Um, Joey. Yeah. There's such a big cast and everybody's kind of heavy hitters. It's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For, yeah. I want to give a shout out to Sugawara, of course. Um, you know, not just his cool look and stuff, uh, thing that we haven't talked about his voice, uh, kind of just cuts through, uh, the noise of everybody else. He has such a sort of, uh, booming deep voice. <laughs> um, it's very, I don't know. It just always stands out when he's talking, um, and, and he's really great. And, um, a character I latched onto, I remember maybe the second time being like, Oh, he's actually really cool is, is, uh, uh, Sakai, you know, uh, Hiroki mm-hmm. Matsukata. Yeah. So he's another one that I'd love to give a shout out to, because I think he gives a really excellent performance. But as far as somebody who just kind of steals the scenes every time he's on, I'm going to have to give it again to Nobuo Kaneko. <laughs> God, he is. <laughs> as Yamamori. Mm. Yeah, he's just so like hateable, but like funny. Um, and like when he's like, you know, him and his wife are are kind of like a great team. Um, uh, when they're like, you know, manipulating uh the other gangsters and stuff like that. And but Kaneko especially is just able to like make such funny facial expressions. Uh, but they're like also like i said hateable you're just so mad at this guy <laughs> um yeah he is such a detestable villain <laughs> uh that scene uh where Hirono visits him uh, at his like racetrack or whatever and it's him in the office with kunie tanaka and you you see it kind of turn him trying to be friendly but then also kind of threatening uh, mm. he's just so good. <laughs> that was, um, that was in the running for my favorite scene too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's such a cool, like, I, like, God, did you have, like when, like, see so where is it? Uh, did you have anything with his desk or his death? And he's like, hmm. I don't know anything about that. Like that, that was long ago. Who's, who's to say yeah. or something like yeah. that. Yeah. It's something like that. What a cool, like. And it's I don't know, it kind of gets your blood boiling a little bit, and 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 Tanaka plays this like like smarmy wormy character who will who's basically just going to latch on to whoever you know is uh, is the best horse to be betting on, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody who loves uh, Kunie Tanaka, I think my f- initial experience with this was kind of being disappointed that he's not in it more, um, but he's perfect as this sort of like rat who's just. Uh, opportunistic and just there when he needs to be and he stands out so much and and he's another one I really love too. In that particular scene he's making a what I call the Kizaru face where like <laughs> he's he's like chewing gum or something like that yeah. but his lips are like pursed and I'm like okay put a put put a pair of sunglasses on him and there you go. <laughs> That's the drawing. Um, I will say that uh 
there is one scene when he is not actually not wearing sunglasses. You can see his eyes. He has very pretty brown eyes. I had mm. never noticed that before because he's always wearing sunglasses. <laughs> um, but yeah, that scene is like so incredible. And the moment that he draws the the thing or Tanaka draws the thing on the map to show yeah. where Sakai is and like your brain flashes back to the like I I had completely forgotten that the, the police had been tipped off right um, to where uh Wakasugi was going to be but like once once he's writes on that map in the red pen and it's the same circle in handwriting and your brain flashes back. You're just like, Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's so good. Uh, but yeah, uh, uh, I was originally going to put, um, uh, Hiroki Masakata as, cause I like Sakai a lot as a character and yeah. he does have a great performance. Like you said, this is a movie that is full of heavy hitters in terms of, of acting. Uh, but yeah, I just have to give it to Nobuo Kaneko for just being such a disgusting villain. Like <laughs> his whole thing when you first the, the earlier scenes with him where he's just like he's supposed to be this Yakuza boss, but he's constantly like crying and being obsequious to his lieutenants and like, oh, please, please do this for me. I'm begging you is just like, oh, this is gross. And then the fact that he is actually doing that to manipulate them mm-hmm. and is not like this idiot pushover that he seems to be is just man. He's such a good villain. That performance is so there's such depth to it. I get a real charge out of that scene when he's having a meal with Hirono after he gets out of jail. Oh yeah. And then he leaves and then there's that other kind of underling that's sitting behind him. And he's like, this is bullshit. Like he's like, no, 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 he, he has money. He shouldn't be doing this to you. You know, and uh, uh, that's such a good scene. <laughs> yeah, it really stuck me when he was like thinking back to when he was like, I'll give you everything once you get out of prison. Like, he, uh, I'll be working for you. I'll give you my whole estate or whatever. And then he's like, here's your monthly allowance. Uh, make sure to pay for all this food out of it. And then just leaves. I was like, damn, that's cold. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's amazing. Um Anybody else or did anybody have any final thoughts they wanted to get out about the film? Uh, no. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's a really great one. And, um, the second movie is one in particular that I really love kind of as a standalone thing. And it's the one that Suguar is in probably the least. So that's the, my kind of greatest strike against it, but, um, it's, it's a really strong one too. So I definitely recommend checking that one out. Cool. Uh, Alex, any final thoughts? Um, no, that's, that's it. I, 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 um, do think that, uh, watching the rest of them though, it's, it's, a uh, like watching them in succession is a lot of fun. At least the first, uh, four, I think that I watched three or mm-hmm. four. Um, it definitely helps like after like get you into the mood and, uh, if you're already fresh, um, in your mind with these characters, uh, better continue like right like <laughs> yeah um uh, i i think it, it's worth noting that um these movies are on amazon if you have a prime membership uh to stream uh and uh plug in that awesome arrow box set as well yeah um, yeah it does oh. great stuff so uh i don't know if you guys know much about it but i think it's probably worth mentioning new batter new battles uh, yeah. without honor of humanity Mm-hmm. So new, um, oh, go ahead. Yeah. 
No, no, no. You go, Joey, because I figure you yeah, probably, you know, probably know most of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, the New Battles series is, are a series. I think it's three movies. Um, they're all self-contained, and they have a lot of the same cast. It's all Kinji Fukasaku, but they um, Sugawara plays different characters in each one, unlike this one where he's the same character kind of having an arc. Um, so um, the one I like the best is called The Boss's Head, uh, where Sugawara plays this kind of like drifter character which is pretty different than um what i i see him in a lot of these where he's a more established yakuza character and he's he's kind of outside of the system working with yakuza um and that also has um uh the actors from ultra seven um that i love a lot but in a kind of more (laughs) sultry uh role uh which was pretty shocking to see um but um yeah so those are those are kind of fun like if you just can't get enough battles uh movies go ahead and uh watch those and it's kind of uh more of the same type of movie but not uh the same characters or anything like that cool all right alex what are we doing next month uh Next episode. Uh, I know it's so next easy episode. to say next month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this new, this new schedule is, uh, is something to, something to behold. Um, we will be doing, uh, Juzo Itami's A Taxing Woman, uh, featuring special guest, uh, Ed Lang from the One Piece podcast. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Ed uh, has been a kind of booster for us for a while. And I think it would be, it's going to be awesome to have him on. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, this is this episode is his request. Um, far as I know, I mean, I, we, uh, from a recent conversation we had with him, he had not yet watched it. But um, <laughs> but uh, there is a bunch of bits of um, Juzutami trivia that he has for us in store, which I'm looking forward to. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, um, yeah. we're we're you know, they haven't been it hasn't been finalized, so we're gonna just announce the f- next movie. But it's looking like the next kind of set we're going to hit a string of uh, listener requests. So, um, you know, we're always looking for more listener requests. Uh, so send those along if you got any. Cool. Uh, and uh, if you want to request directly to me, I am Friska chat on Twitter, V R I S K A C H A T. Uh, find me there as always send me recommendations or requests for the show. Uh, not much going on right now, but uh, Alex, what do you got going on? Uh, well, you can listen to me every week on the One Piece podcast. We just recorded a commentary for One Piece Stampede, which should be available to Patreons or Patreon subscribers. Um, I think we are also very close to hitting a stretch goal on our Patreon, where me and Steve Yurko are going to be watching all of the four kids version of One Piece <laughs> and oh. doing a separate mini podcast about that. So, uh I guess look forward to that. I'm <laughs> sure as hell not. Um, uh, super. I'm doing stuff with Super Art Fight again. Uh, thanks to the quarantine, um, we're all able to kind of get online and, and do some shows. So um, uh, please subscribe to us uh, at twitch.tv slash superartfight. We just did uh, our, our first of many online shows this past Saturday. And I think every Saturday we're going to be doing some other fun live stuff, um, like playing Jackbox and, uh, you know, some live drawing events and stuff like that. So, um, please tune into that. It's a lot of fun. And, um, uh, yeah, that's, that's me. Oh, oh yeah. Follow me on Twitter. Duh. Dude exclamation. (laughs) All one word. (laughs) 
Joey, where can we find you? Uh, I'm also on Twitter, at uh, Joey Weiser, and Joey Weiser Comics on Instagram. Uh, Instagram, I keep uh, fairly professional, so it's all arts and uh, announcements and things about my books, um, for the most part. Um, so please check out the Merman graphic novel series and Ghost Hog and uh, my other work online. And uh, as for the podcast, uh, you can follow <clears throat> us at at Toho Yaro, where we tweet about Japanese film news and factoids and things about the show. And you can subscribe, rate and review. All right. And we will see everybody again next episode with a taxing woman. Thank you.